Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Shark Pod with me, your host, Luke Curry, out of Greystone Studio, aka my box room here in Greystones. Mark Baker out there and Glenn Aguirre. How's it going, Mark? Good, Luke. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm delighted to have Adam Walsh on the line. Adam, what's the crack? I'm doing good, guys. Happy to be here. Uh, looking forward to it. So, Adam Walsh, listen, uh, where are you sitting? We never actually went into that beforehand. Where are you, where are you based? Very good question. I wouldn't say I have a permanent base. I'm Irish, as you can probably tell from the accent. I visit there a couple times a year. Probably spend most of my time between Spain and Bulgaria. Okay. Bulgaria for tax reasons, Spain for the weather. Oh, fabulous. I believe, you know, in the summertime, uh, I don't know if they got sunny beach there in uh, Bulgaria as well. It's not so bad, is it? It's, uh, it's okay. Is it the weather there? Yeah, no, super good weather. It's a very different lifestyle. I'm not sure if you guys have spent much time there. You know, obviously, it's, it's a country that was, you know, communist and dictatorship for like such a long time where you can see the effects of that still today. So even though we're in 2022, and, you know, we've got low tax, which attracts a lot of foreigners with lots of money. Roads are terrible. Infrastructure is not so good. And um, so is it a place I'd want to live all the time? No. And that's why I definitely spend some time in, in other countries throughout Europe. But for anybody that is on the digital nomad wave, um, definitely look into Bulgaria. Interesting. Very favorable tax for both company and individual. I'd love to have a favorable tax rate. Mark, Mark we, we, we talked about this a lot. And, uh, it's all he talks about. I just hate giving it to them. <laughs> what do I get? You know? Anyway, so, um, yeah, so the, the reason why we asked you to join us today is uh, we're interested in helping people out there um, kind of get started with business and stuff like that. And that kind of overlaps with what you do. So how would you describe, say, if you're in a, a cocktail bar in downtown Sofia, uh, and uh, and uh, in uh, Bulgaria, there. Someone asked you, "What do you do for a living, uh, Adam? What would you say?" Great question. First off, I would actually probably just say I do marketing. I probably wouldn't go into the you know the depths of owning two businesses or anything like that. I do find sometimes that can kind of skew someone's perception of you, either positively or negatively. So, actually, when I meet someone in person, it's typically going to be, oh, "I'm just a marketer." That's it. Right. But anyway, that aside, uh, I run a marketing agency, which is my main claim to fame. Started in 2019. Got my first clients for about, I think it was 1,200 US dollars, which is a, a pretty decent sum for your first client. I did freelance for about a year before starting the agency. All right. So I wasn't completely brand new to the space. Uh, for that first client, we literally did basic social media management and content creation. Right. Very, very simple and very much a convenient service for that business. We got them really, really good results. They referred us to a second client in like literally, I think it was like four or five days of us starting. We got to about 10K a month in monthly recurring revenue for that business in then 45 days after the first client. Wow. And from there, we got to our peak was like $54,000 in, I think it was February or March of 2021. And then from there, we did actually scale down and I want to make that really clear because we don't, we, we don't still do 54 K a month. As you can imagine running an agency at that level, it's like uh, lots of stress. Uh, we had a bunch of different services. We had overextended ourselves where we had way too many team members. 
We were overpaying people for like things and services that we didn't need to offer. We said, let's actually strip this back a bit. Let's lower the revenue. And we were actually able to get it to a point where we were probably making, let's say, it could have been 40K a month, right? So 10K less, but our profit was actually the exact same, which is absolutely mad, right? So we'd lower stress, better profit, obviously an easier business to run. So I still have that business. It very much just takes over in the background. If you've seen me on social media, I do talk a lot about automating and delegating through virtual assistants. We have client managers that deal directly with our clients. We've got a team of editors and graphic designers. And then we've got probably, I think we've got three virtual assistants right now. And then a bunch of Zapier automations. You guys are probably familiar with that. And so that is my main business. Those run in the background. Right now, I probably spend... If I was to put a number on it, I would say about 30 minutes a day on that business. In the last six months, we brought on a salesperson, which was huge for me. And I think, Luke, you can probably resonate with this. When you're in sales, you know, for a very long time, like I was the salesman of the company, basically, since we started. I obviously was very good at it, you know, because if you do it over and over again, you get very good. But to be honest, I just got sick of it. I got completely sick of doing sales calls every day. And it really felt like golden handcuffs where yes, we're making money. Yes, this is good, but I actually am losing the love for this. So we decided, okay, let's get a salesperson in. It's commission only. And obviously they save a a lot of time for myself. So that is my main company. Second company is, as you can see here, the Six Figure Accelerator Company. Essentially, it's a mentorship program for people that want to start an agency or just start a freelance social media marketing business or if they already have one, but they don't have the systems and, and really the things that they need to scale sustainably, right? Stay, basically to scale without working 24 seven, which is obviously what I, I do myself. Uh, so that's my second company. That is my main focus right now. So I work way more than 30 minutes a day on that one, probably more like you know four, five, six hours minimum. Um, it's something that I absolutely love doing, right? Because I'm literally teaching old me yeah. You know, I'm literally teaching me from three years ago. So it's like, it's very easy for me to do it. It's very easy for me to resonate with someone and to get them results because I know exactly where they're coming from. Uh, and it is a, a very good business to run in terms of the numbers, the profits and, and the margins that come with that. I think that sounds great. And I, 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 if I follow Adam on his, uh, on his Instagram page, you talk a lot about this. And also what I love about that, I know, it, it, you know it's good for marketing, but it's also cool to see kind of generally that, you know, some of the your students or mentees or whatever you want to call them, the people that are availing your service, when they show you, when you show the WhatsApp, uh, you know, feedback of got my first client today for two and a half grand a month, uh, retainer and all this type of stuff. Like that's like, so you're making an impact on all these people's lives and you know, it's a, a nice marginal, uh, a nice margin business too. hundred percent. It's, it's really a mix of, you know, that cliche of finding your, your passion that makes you money, the icky guy framework, right? It, it helps people, makes me money, but it's also deeply fulfilling. And it's the kind of thing that like, like I have a notepad here, right? Literally a list of things that I want to do today. A bunch of these are things that I don't have to do, right? Like business won't die or, or stop if I don't do them, but they're little things, little ideas that we can implement that I, like I wake up and I write that list and I'm like, yeah, like I actually want to do these things. So for me, that's that's really huge right now. I do feel like in business from my experience, my limited experience, that you do go through phases where like first agency, absolutely loved it for so long. It's all I did for like pretty much two years straight. And then like I said, got to a point where, okay, not doing this as much. 
still want to run it because it's a business, but I don't want to put all my time into it. And I think for me, I think that's the way I, I work. I need to find something I am hugely, hugely passionate about and have a really, really good interest in. I get obsessively consistent with that thing. I do not miss a day for it. And I'll probably do it for a few years, run it, you know, delegate it and automate it to a certain extent, let it run in the background and probably move on to the next one. Nice. And did you, like, did I, what kind of triggered you to go into the, into the, the kind of coaching or mentor um, program space? Did you go through a pro, did you kind of have access to this while you were doing this or are you kind of scratching your own itch saying, I'd love to have a service when I was starting off? Like what was the kind of trigger to get this going? I didn't have a mentor. So it definitely was scratching that itch, to be honest, Luke. Um, I would say for a good year before we actually started the agency, I started, right? And when I say started, I mean, got the logo, got a website. I literally have business cards at home with my face on them. Like, you know, all the formalities that I thought I needed, never used them, never did anything. I think I did three cold calls and then in an entire year, sent maybe 10 emails, had all the contracts proposals ready to go. Basically mental masturbation, did absolutely nothing, right? And so for me, I think when I started the mentoring, I realized that, look, there's probably so many people that are watching my stuff thinking the exact same thing, looking at me saying, hey, that's class. I want to do that as well. But because they don't have skin in the game, they haven't bought a program, they don't have someone to hold them accountable, they're just going to do nothing like I did because I I was there as well. Um, So that was really a big driver. Um, I am a businessman. So the second driver was definitely money and accumulating more wealth because I know it's a very profitable business to run if you do it right, which I, I have some thoughts about the kind of coaching, mentoring space that you know, I can share here, for example, like when I started, I did not want to launch a course. That was the first thought, not doing a course. Yes, it's the most passive. Yes, it's probably the easiest and I can sell it really cheaply and I might make just as much money, but I know the success rate of students is going to be really low, like tiny, and the satisfaction people get from it, it's just not going to be where it needs to be. It's not going to be impactful enough. So when I started, I decided let's do something different. Okay, let's sell it at a course price well, actually cheaper than most courses. Uh, right now we charge from anywhere like five to 600 euro. And with that, you get two live coaching calls every week, four hours of live coaching every week. Lifetime access, you, you pay us that money once, you get those for you know two, three, four years, whatever time we run this for. Wow. Um, you get a, a one-to-one coach. So I have a, a student success manager in the program that will guide you through everything every day, hold you accountable, answer your questions every day. And that for me was like really, really important. Right. And it actually comes from two, two kind of angles, right? First off, I just see courses sometimes and I think this is a load of BS, right? Because I know someone's going to go in and it might be okay, might be good info, but they're just not going to have the accountability and support that they need to get results. So no fault of the person who made the course, but there's just not enough in it for that person to really get results. Okay. That was the first reason. The second reason was purely selfish, right? And I thought, well, if I launch a course, and nobody gets results and I'm making loads of money, that money is eventually going to dwindle and die off because I have no results to talk about. I can't just talk about my own results for years because eventually I might move out of the business. So I was like, well, how do I get people results? More coaching calls, more support, more accountability. So I'm deeply incentivized to get people results. And I tell people when they join, it's like, I really am going to help you get results because when you get results, I can take that screenshot, I can put it on social media, and that helps me market the program and we get more signups. So um, that was something that, you know, I made really, really clear to myself when I was starting. But um, yeah, that was the main kind of motivation. 
for starting definitely it's, it's really interesting as well because like there are like courses are I've, I've taken different online courses I'm, like, I'm, I'm a fan as in i think that that's the future of education we're going to learn mm-hmm. for like hard skills online um and some of them like i've done uh like technology courses like 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 software uh courses and some are better than others um and so one that I, I i've taken two um recently and i thought the first one was great until i got the second one i didn't even know how good it could be Do you know, like it's uh yeah there's definitely yeah. levels to it uh, but the accountability thing is something that we we talked about a lot on this uh on the podcast over the years like me and mark uh like we we do challenges and stuff uh sometimes there's accountability there for sure but mark's my brother he's gonna love me either either way do you know what i mean so i need to get yeah. if you want to yeah, get yeah. someone that's like a third party you know um, sure. I think that's going to be uh, really impactful. So, from a so, how long has this been going? This is uh, a very well. You said in 2019, and then two years. So maybe over a year. This has been going on, has it? Yeah. So officially, I think it's about a year and a half. When I first started, I did a little bit of one-to-one coaching. I think it was with like three or four people. So like one-to-one, no, no, like. At group sessions, no accountability coach, just literally me, just to test it out. And so I did that at the very, very start, realized, okay, yes, this model does work and the one-to-one coaching does get people results faster. And then we launched the program officially. Now, I will say when I launched the program, I was like, you know, oh, this is going to make me a load of money straight away. And it certainly did not. You know, I think I got two people to join in the first month, you know, at maybe 250 each, a total of 500 which is obviously cool. I was like, Hey, it's, it's a success, but it's not the level I want it to be. And it was really, really slow for like a really, really long time. Like probably six, six, nine months, I would say really slow, just maybe three, four people a month. And what I found was that the biggest factor again was the consistency and talk to anybody who knows me. I'm good at consistency, right? I'm not the smartest. Um, I definitely sometimes, you know, need to step out and do something different than I'm currently doing, but I'm just really good at staying consistent with whatever it is, training in the gym or, or business. Uh, so for me, it was like, okay, it's not making a lot now, but I do know if I do stay consistent, people will eventually realize that. They'll realize I've been following Adam for a year and the program is still alive. Yeah. He didn't quit it. He didn't stop. The results are still coming in. So even if they didn't want to start a year ago when I launched, like I've had so many people reach out a year later, and join or a year and a half later so uh, yeah that's the rough timeline because they've got social proof now so they can see like we said that uh, that it's working and i was just i just had a thought there uh, like your your clientele are they are they people primarily who are looking to uh start you know agencies based in like the big like economic hubs like london and paris and stuff like that or is part of the part of the deal you'll kind of teach them the the ropes when it comes to the digital nomad style stuff as well is that built in as well or is it purely just the business of getting getting going with the agency stuff just out of interest that's that's actually a phenomenal question yeah it's definitely the latter uh nobody has opened up offices in london as of yet anyway we do have some guys that have offices in ireland i believe and i think there's maybe one or two in the us but that's about it the digital nomad part of the equation is massive it's obviously what i've done for a long time people's see that they see the lifestyle and they want to replicate that for themselves um so for for example luke in the first i think one to two chapters in the program we're actually not talking too much about the business side we are diving into obviously setting the foundations 
you know, deciding what service you're going to offer, what industry you're going to target, because you, you need to make sure those are very, very unique and dialed in. But we do touch a lot on the mindset behind it all. And, you know, a lot of people can skip over those chapters because it's, it's not what they expected, right? They thought it was just literally, I'll get a, a script. Uh, I'll, I'll know exactly how to cold call and I'll close deals from chapter one. No, look, like anything, there's a whole mindset behind it. So we do dive into that quite a lot. Um, yeah, I would say 90% of the people that I'm working with want to travel and do this on the side. So we work with people that are in nine to fives that maybe work from home, want to do this and make an extra one, two, three K a month. Uh, there are a lot of people that are like, Hey, I want to do exactly what you're doing. So they want to get to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 K a month. Um, but it's kind of split evenly between the two. Half of our, our clientele or students are really just looking for that extra bit of income and to do it on the side and a little bit more freedom. And the other half are saying, Hey, I want the full, the full nine yards. Like I want the, the travel. I want the nice accommodation. I want to be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And Adam, what are, what are some of the common misconceptions that people have before they step in to do this about the industry, about, about the day to day? That's a great question, Mark. Um, okay. So from the people we attract, again, let's just say it's a, someone in the nine to five. I think the biggest misconception or myth or, or thing that holds them back is I don't have experience. All right. So I, I've never done social media before. I've never ran a social media page. I've never created content. I've never run paid advertising. How am I going to get a client? All right. I think that's the biggest thing that holds people back. Um, what I like to tell people is, Hey, look, all you have to know is more than the person you're selling to. Like that is sales, right? You don't have to be the expert. You don't have to be the best, but as long as you know more than them, you are technically an expert in their eyes. So all we have to do is get you trained up, teach you as much as you need to know. We'll then partner you with a freelancer or contractor that we can source from Upwork or Fiverr, who's actually good. We've vetted them and we know they're going to get good results for your client. And then you just have to get good at selling. Because you actually don't have to do the quote unquote hard work of delivering the service to your clients. Um, and, and that really does hold a lot of people back because they do feel like, oh, they're going to have to spend six months learning social media, posting their own content. You don't. You really, really don't. Like we've had services that we've sold in the past that I don't know how to deliver, but we've got a team member that can do it and they can do it incredibly well. Um, so I think that's, that's a huge thing. I would say another myth is time. Right? A lot of people just think they don't have time. Right? They're saying, hey, I work 30, 40 hours a week. I genuinely don't know how I can do this. Is this going to take five, six hours a day? It can if you want it to, but it can also take one to two hours a day. So my business now, right? 30 minutes a day. I know other people doing the same amount of revenue that do work eight to 10 hours a day. The only difference is that they've just not built the systems. They've not automated anything and they haven't delegated enough off their plate. So it really comes down to how you approach this. Um, we actually recommend people when they're starting to not spend 10 hours a day on this, even if they have 10 hours a day. Because in that 10 hours, 80%, like eight hours of that day is wasted on building the logo, the website, the, the formalities that they think will be really, really nice and will, will impress their clients, but it doesn't. And it does absolutely nothing to the bottom line. Whereas that two hours of focused outreach, connecting with business owners, hopping on sales calls, that's where the money is made. Like that's where it really comes from. And um, so time, you can do it once, two hours a day. Experience, you don't need experience. If you do have experience, awesome, because you'll have results faster than the next person because you don't have to learn the basics because you already know that. 
It's really interesting because it shows how important sales is in general. And sales just keeps coming up in every single conversation that we have with entre- entrepreneurs or business owners. And like, so, so you're saying that the, let's say somebody with the most time on their hands, they're not necessarily going to be the most successful. Somebody who's technically expert at whatever it is, they're not necessarily going to have the most successful business. Someone who's a great organizer, a great manager. It's actually this, the great salesman salesperson that is actually going to, at the end of the day, if we're looking at results, going to be the most successful. Is that 100%. fair to say? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, and it's why when we started, so I have a business partner in my agency. And when we started, I knew from day one, right, I'm going to be the one bringing in clients. Like I'll be the salesman. And it's weird because I'm naturally introverted. I was really, really shy as a kid, was never good at anything like sales or public speaking. So even though it scared the living daylights out of me and the thoughts of doing that all day was like my worst nightmare. I was like, one, this is going to be incredibly good for my character. It's going to build me up a lot. And two, my business older, business partner is older than me. And I was like, you're probably not going to learn it if you haven't learned it yet. Whereas I'm younger, I can put in the time. I can be, I can mold my subconscious a little bit more than you can because you, you've had a few more years under your belt. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, and I was shocking at sales. Like, obviously, I'll be decent now. You put me on a, on a call with a business owner. I can probably sell the service. Done it. I, I calculated it. I've done over 1,500 inbound sales calls since we started the agency, which is quite a lot. And, you know, the first 10 were probably dog rough. I'd imagine I sounded nervous. I was probably stuttering. And I probably didn't do what I was meant to do. But again, I got the experience built up the confidence and the character started to build. And by call 20, we're closing some deals. By call 30, my close rate is going to maybe 15% or 20%. And, you know, you eventually get to a point where you're really good at it, even though you were shocking at it six months ago. So mm-hmm. yes, Mark, 100% agree with you, man. Uh, sales really is the the, the lifeblood of, of a marketing agency, in my opinion. It's, it, it's such an important skill to learn. And also if you, it's like, like you said there, Adam, like, I don't know, like there's, I've, I've met hundreds and hundreds of salespeople and uh, software sales over the years. And, and some of them are consistently, you know, crazy performers. They might have some sort of special sauce or special skills and stuff like that. But there's kind of this secret uh, about sales that I try to tell people when they're getting going is there's a certain number of people. It doesn't, it, you can't put a number on it uh, per industry or, or whatever, but there are a certain amount of people that will buy from you at some like you will come across them you just have to knock on enough doors like so it's not really so so i think some people i remember i had a friend i think i told this on the podcast before where um one of the smartest people i have ever met like you know did it as uh finance masters and did like some crazy thesis on oil trading or you know like really bright guy and i was Mm -hmm. like he was in a, a place where he's getting x amount of money um and i was saying to him like you're so much smarter than me. Why don't you go sell? So yeah, you should be selling this as a product, you know, yourself. Why are you do, doing this in the background? And then he said, Luke, I can't talk to people I don't know. <laughs> and uh, I said, that's the difference. Um, so now he's still trying to, you know, uh, you know, lining up with everyone for the rent stuff in Dublin and, you know, like just still in the grind. And it's because he won't uh, take it's fear leap. it's but it's I don't, i'm not sure what you are afraid of mark or not you but like one i don't get like for me I, it's something i'm going to teach my son as well like 
he can have as much money to start businesses and stuff, but he has to be selling. Like he, he can only spend what he brings in. <laughs> That's the game, right? And he's only one now, so he's not bringing in much. But I feel like over the years, uh, we'll build that in. My point is the. I'd say that's a big hurdle for your students or your mentees to say if they've not been in uh, like a thousand sales calls or you know people in their thirties if if they're in software sales which is kind of like high turnover of uh, meetings I've probably been in like three thousand uh, sales meetings with clients oh. so for me when I get in there it's literally just reps though I remember the first time because um, I kind of blagged my way in a little bit to the software side of things I was in Canada. And um, I kind of told them I knew a little bit more than I did. I, and I kind of learned as I, as I went. I remember sweating on the, uh, in the meeting, the first meeting, like, you know, emotional sweat patches, but uh, it gets easier. And people shouldn't be discouraged by losses because that's just losses getting there. It's like, it's like having a sales, like having a machete mark and you're going to the jungle, and you're cutting down all these, all these people that aren't good fits. And then you get, it's, it's such a broad term as well, though. Sales, it's not just a business thing. It's mm. you're constantly, you know, that, the thing people say you're constantly selling, you know, you're selling, you're using selling. To, I use it to, to my kids to, to get them to do what we want them to do, go to bed or whatever it is. You're constantly selling. But I think there's like, there is a per- people that are naturally good salespeople. That's okay. That's a fact, right? But there's also people who understand, like, I don't think I, I necessarily love sales. Like I run a recruitment business. I'm an accountant. Um, What I did understand was, I loved entrepreneurship. I love business. I like making money as much as the next entrepreneur. And I knew the importance of sales. So I got to, I embrace sales full on. Not because, same with the best man speeches and stuff like that. I didn't enjoy doing, necessarily giving the best man speech, but I knew it was important and I knew to do it well, you know, was, was a great thing. So you kind of force yourself to do that, to, to, to get to the end mark, you know? So I think if you have good emotional intelligence and you realize that, how important sales is to, to your success in business, well, then it's a, it's a no-brainer. You don't have to, I don't think you have to love it, but you have to right. be honest with yourself and you have to understand the importance of it and don't deny it. Um, that's what I think. Then eventually you can hire someone like Adam did. You know? Yeah, that's the other thing as well. You don't constantly have to be out there in the front selling, but I, I get a good buzz out of that still. And again, we as recruitment company like we're all accountants who most of us are accountants who are speaking to other accountants so we're not necessarily selling like a large agency it's a relationship based but there is an element of for your client you have to be able to sell the role what the role is you know understand what the pros of, of the role the opportunity that type of thing um so all different types of sales when you when you are just sort of to kind of change gears here when you're uh the lifestyle that you're living now is this something that you think is kind of the, the long-term plan like are you going to is the next stop like changu and bali or like do you know what I mean is this the is this the lifestyle that you want to pursue i know you're still a young man but is that kind of the long-term play it's actually not no most people would assume that for sure i have done quite a bit of that before i started the agency okay. so when i was in college i so i did a, a three-year commerce course in ucd in the second year i got to go to singapore Right, so I got to do a like an Erasmus, but it was just one semester. So I spent four months in Singapore, obviously traveled a lot while we were there. And then I did an extra month where I just did solo travel across Thailand. And at the time, like I was anybody that met me then, if they met me now, would probably be like, wow, 
you are very, very different. <laughs> I was staying in, you know, places where it was like yoga and meditation every day and surfing on the beach. And I was vegan for like three and a half years and all these things. Right. And so I, I feel like I've done that and I'm very much done with it. I still do travel quite a bit, but a lot of it is geared around business. You know, so for example, I'm going to be in Miami this summer. Why am I going there? Because my student success manager lives in Florida. He's been working with me for over a year. We're going to do a mini mastermind. That's the main intention. Like, is it cool to see the US for the first time for me? I guess so. But I'm, I'm more motivated by the fact that he's a team member and I want him to continue to be a team member for at least six to 12 months. So I'm going to go the extra effort, obviously incur a financial burden to make that happen. So, um, no, I don't think so. I don't think so, man. I, I feel like I will settle quite soon. Like I have, I have the cash flow to be able to settle now to do a cash in house. If I, I mean, a house in cash, if I really want to, uh, am I going to do that right away? Probably not. It's not the wisest decision, but I think the digital nomad lifestyle works for some people forever, but for most people, it is a short-term play. For me, it's a short-term business play. It's very attractive. I do enjoy it. And I'm doing it now because I know once I have kids, I'm probably not going to be traveling. Won't be doing a whole lot of that stuff. So um, I actually don't know, guys. I don't have it planned out. You know, I don't have a five-year plan or even a 10-year plan or even a two-year plan, to be honest. So I could settle next year or it could be a couple of years down the line. I think... I, I, not to tell you what to do. Uh, we're like older brothers here. I think you should. You know, I think with your with your consistency, you could achieve r- ridiculous results by by having a five year plan in place. <laughs> what do you think, Luke? I don't. I don't know, Mark. I think. I think it's it's the kind of it's a kind of more of a interesting story that it's like he's changing what he's doing. He's helping people over the world. He's off to Miami. Gonna, you know party and mastermind there i think this is kind of cool i don't know if you're trying to yeah but you can do all that but i'm saying set a big goal as well yeah Uh, yeah just because because consistency look we've we talked about sales ain't nobody want to sell shit as someone told told luke before Um, and nobody wants to be consistent either i can be consistent so you've got two good skill sets there you know that that was my first uh sales job in canada was selling cars and um they uh there's a guy who's smoking crack um was my uh my desk buddy and um he told me he's like listen ain't nobody want to sell shit if you can go to this you can do whatever you want and he was right good advice there um you know 100%. bad life decisions but good life advice it seems i hope he's yeah, doing yeah. well if he's listened to this uh you know uh but anyway uh so so it's it's not maybe a long-term play but just out of interest as well is there anywhere in your so you're in bulgaria for tax and stuff is there anywhere else where it's kind of interesting to you to live in you said spain as well but is is that more because it's kind of nice in spain rather than it's good for this type of uh this type of lifestyle yeah, I, I would say Spain is a place that I, I just absolutely love it. The reason I don't spend more time there is just the tax scenarios, you know, very high income tax, corporate tax is pretty rough as well. So the way, and again, this kind of links to that question of, is Adam going to just travel and be bopping around the world for the rest of his life? A lot of that, again, comes down to tax. You know, if I was to, uh, let's say, stop all that and settle somewhere, Right now, if I had to choose, it would have to be somewhere extremely tax efficient, whether that's Dubai or Bulgaria or somewhere else. Whereas if I can keep doing what I'm doing while still being in like a really good tax situation for the next few years, my goal is kind of just to stack as much cash as as physically possible 
And then I'm in a place when I'm 30 where I've gotten a lot of cash. It's all legal. It's just a lower tax bracket. And I've got the cash, paid the tax on it. So that's done. And that could be in a bank account, in a property, in multiple assets, whatever. And it's there to be used. And at that stage, maybe I just have like a little salary each year from my companies in a higher tax place. But I don't really care because we can do some company restructuring with a, you know, like a holding company on top and maybe some offshore accounts or whatever. Who knows? We'll figure it out. But as of right now, that's that's kind of the rough plan. So not exactly a five-year plan, Mark, but it's a, it's a rough guideline to follow. So, Mark, it's a, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Isn't that right, Mark? It's a, that's, that's it. That's, that's, a, that's the main thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and from a revenue point of view if that you, that you speak about, do you have any other revenue streams or is there any other revenue streams that you, know, you think are quite interesting for, for young people or people with a bit of time on their hands in, in the evenings? Yes, like obviously, you know, there's, there's so much that people can do nowadays. So like I've done, obviously right now it's just two things. Yes, I do some investing on the side, but like that's not to make money. That's just for five years down the line. Like I'm, I'm not even looking at the markets being down or, or anything like that. And so for me, to be honest, Mark, it's just the two businesses right now. Um, before, right? So I started this entrepreneurial journey probably at age 12. I'll go into this story just a little bit, right? Because it's, it's an interesting one. Um, out of a place of pure insecurity, I told myself I would never work a job at age 12. Okay, so it was firm in my head. I'm very stubborn. So when I pick a goal or say I'm going to do something, I will do it. My family notice, right? It's like, you cannot peer pressure me into something because that will actually make me not want to do it because I'm so stubborn, right? So once I pick something, that is it. So age 12, I'm like, right, never getting a job simply because I'm shy, I'm introverted, and I don't want to have to deal with people or in an office, right? So such a, such a weird motivation, right? For most people, it's like, I want to make loads of money. Whereas for me, it was like pure insecurity. Um, anytime I was doing business then, up until the agency, so let's say age 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, all the way to 20 or so, I always did things for a very short period of time. So I would do drop shipping. The store does really well for three, four months. I then divert my focus into something different. Then the first business completely falls off a cliff and I'm left empty handed. And that kind of cycle repeated itself multiple times. It happened with dropshipping stores. It happened with my e-commerce brand. It happened with, uh, I did some Twitter marketing where I had a bunch of followers, 3 million. And we did basically like influencer campaigns, same thing. You know, I would put all my focus in that thing and then get distracted once it started making good money because I'm seeing all the other opportunities. So when I started the agency, I made it really clear to myself that you're not doing anything else but this for at least like one to two years minimum. And then once I started the coaching, you know, the reason I allowed myself to start the coaching was because we had decided we're not going to scale the agency. We're just going to keep it at the level it is. So very clear, that's the goal. So if it doesn't hit seven figures a year in revenue, that's okay. And we're fine with that. So for me right now, I don't even think it makes sense to start a third company. I might in maybe the next six to 12 months, but right now, no, I think there's just too much opportunity for me in what I'm currently doing. Uh, for other people though, right? If, if they don't have, I guess if they just have a ton of time on their hands, um, like obviously we're seeing, you know, people do crazy things in the blockchain world, NFTs, crypto, but I also do think a lot of that is, it's very, very hard for a beginner to go in there and make money. 
apart from when we were in a, you know, pretty much a, a bull market for what, two years or so, because anybody could have made money in that. You just DCA in maybe a couple grand a month into some top coins, you YOLO a bit of money into some small cap coins and boom, easy money, nine times out of 10. I personally, if I was to say to anybody that's listening, if they don't have an online business right now, please just pick one, right? Like even if it's an agency, if it's anything else, just, just pick one. I'm not going to tell you what's the best. I obviously have a preference for the best, which is an agency because it's, uh, you know, you, you don't you don't need money to start. You genuinely don't. You can just literally start with sweat equity, sales, get clients in, and then you can reinvest and build it back up. Anything else, dropshipping, e-commerce, Amazon FBA, typically you do need some money and obviously time. Uh, just pick one, literally just pick one because it happens all the time. I see so many people, so many guys I know that run agencies and they get to five, six, seven K a month. Adam, I'm at this stage. I want to now start diversifying. I want to do something else. And six months later, they're actually now making 3K a month because they've completely slacked off on the, the vehicle that got them the most amount of money they've ever made, slacked off on that, put their focus into something that they didn't know was going to work. They took a gamble, a punt, and it didn't work. So I'm pretty firm on that standpoint for me. Um, and I think for most people, you know, it's, it's very hard to run three, four or five companies or you can do it, but you'd probably make more money if you just had one or two and you operated all of your energy into those and all of your focus. Awesome. Great yeah. advice. And Adam, uh, one more question before you go. What's the, how, how do people get in touch with you? If they hear this, they want to know, learn more about the agency life. They want to get involved in what you're doing. How do people find you? Where, where should they go? I think the best place is to hit me up on Instagram. If you want longer form content, you can head over to YouTube. Just type in my name. I should pop up on both platforms. And um, yeah, you know, any questions anybody who's listening to this has, just just let me know. I do actually check Instagram DMs every day. Uh, I won't be responding back to you every five minutes of the day. I don't have notifications turned on, but I do check at least once a day. So if you do have a question, feel free, hit me up. And if I can share some advice, I will. And if you just want an opinion on something, I can definitely do that as well. Out of, out of interest, Adam, what's, what's your top three uh, social media uh, sites that people companies that people should be on top three i would say tiktok instagram and youtube tiktok for your top of funnel audience so in my case i've got let's say it's roughly 100k on there so that's the most amount of people know me from there but are people going to buy from me from tiktok not really it's very surface level just get to know me then people will funnel out to whether youtube or instagram youtube if they're very into my content and they want to listen to me for 10 minutes on a video, like two to three times a week, or if they want just more snippets behind the scenes, um, day in the life or results, head over to Instagram and you'll see all of that on there. I think those three are really, really powerful. Um, and I feel like when you link the, the three of them or even just TikTok and Instagram, you can really make a lot of money if you're in the agency space, if you're doing coaching, consulting, anything of that nature. Nearly all of the people that join my program come from Instagram, that's where the sale may happen, but they came from originally TikTok or YouTube. Mm -hmm. So that's typically the funnel. Um, I'm sure there's gonna be another platform in the next probably one to two years, as we saw with TikTok, but until then, those three are the ones. Very good. Awesome. And also, this is actually the last question. Would you prefer a Shark Pod t-shirt or a mug? I would absolutely love a t-shirt. 
Like one, so yeah, so which color would it be? One of the grey ones or a blue one like uh, Mark's sporting over there? I think we're going to go with the blue. Mark is looking dapper over there. He's looking pretty sharp. Uh, we're going to get yes. that out to you. Um, <laughs> we're going to ship it out to either Bulgaria or Spain. Up to you. We'll figure that out after the, the podcast. Adam, thanks so much for taking the time to have a chat with us today. Really, really interesting. I love talking to people that are living a kind of alternative lifestyle um, and just making it happen. So uh, fair play to you there. And uh, thanks for coming on the Shark Pod. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it, guys. That was really, really fun. So, 